Mabuhay, bienvenidos, vidaita, willkommen, and welcome to Wisco Weekly. Listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I'm your host, Dennis Wisco, and I just got a fire lit under my ass from my wife, so I decided to do a Friday rundown episode that covers what's been going on every week. Obviously, this week, the biggest thing that's been going on is the elections. I'm not going to spend too much time on the elections. However, I will say that I have conceded to a Biden-Harris presidency. I do think that Trump has every right to go down this legal process. It may be viewed as petty, and it may work out to be effective. Who knows? But ultimately... I think uh, given everything that's happened this past week actually wasn't as bad as everything else that's been going on in 2020. So aside from the elections or the presidential elections, there were two um, very important issues that I was personally concerned about, and that was Proposition 22 in California and Question 1 on the Massachusetts state ballot. Proposition 22 allowed app-based transportation companies, your Ubers, your Lyfts of the world, to to keep their drivers as independent contractors, although still provide uh, independent contracting slash employee-like benefits. I'll get into that in a little bit here. And then Massachusetts question one ballot was the right to repair law or expanding on the right to repair law where... The auto parts stores, the independent mechanics, and everyone else in the ecosystem, aside from the automaker, uh, is able to access telematics data that's produced from the car that you are driving. So on the Proposition 22 ballot, if you don't know this already, the ballot measure did pass. Because it passed, it allowed Uber and Lyft to maintain drivers as independent contractors, which was a win, I think, in it was a win for general economic principles, put it to you that way. Now, one of the biggest pushbacks on Prop 22 was that the state of California wanted Uber and Lyft to accommodate their drivers like employees. With that meant providing healthcare benefits, providing vacation and sick leave, providing healthcare. So, there, all that stuff was was supposed to be mandated by the state. It just so happens that with Proposition 22, it allows Uber and Lyft to control those aspects. In which, the thing is, at the end of the day, the social pressure worked. Uber and Lyft will be providing their drivers with benefits. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be the state level kinds of benefits, but they are going to get benefits. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal by Laura Foreman that was written on November 4th, and it writes, and she writes, the great rideshare victory playing out in the market Wednesday is good news for all gig economy companies, but has hardly been a free ride. It will also only get the companies so far. Tuesday's passage of California's Proposition 22 is the culmination of years of work by gig economy companies to fight off employee reclassification threats from regulators that would massively inflate labor costs. 
And that's the big thing. And the reason why I'm, I'm a bigger proponent of free market principles, where in this particular case, you're having Uber and Lyft control uh, and, and essentially work out with their independent contractors the best model, the best benefits to accommodate both parties. Okay. And that's why you're not going to have these massively inflated labor costs. You'll just have additional labor costs, which, so don't get this twisted now, especially if you live in California like I do. The cost of an Uber is going to go up. Uh, it, it'll go up incrementally, probably, you know, it, in, into 2021, uh, as we get probably into the the spring and summer, and provided that the economy starts to open up and more people are going out, there's no doubt that the cost of Uber and Lyft is going to go up. And, and this applies to the Instacarts of the world as well. Uh, shares of Uber on Wednesday soared 12%. And on and with Lyft, ten percent, removing a month months long overhang and helping the stocks recover from drops in bookings brought brought on by the pandemic. Uh, in a little bit, uh, one of the things I also want to be covering on these Friday rundowns uh, is a, a market overview of how the stock market did, especially in regards to the automotive sector. She writes, Laura writes. But voters' love has proven costly. The roughly $200 million spent by gig companies made it the most expensive campaign for any ballot measure in California history. $200 million was spent. And the win will still require companies to shell out more to workers. An email sent by Uber to its California users just before midnight on Tuesday evening explained it is now on the hook to provide healthcare contributions occupational accidental insurance, and an earnings guarantee that amounts to 120% of minimum wage for many of its drivers. So again, this is where the social pressure worked in the state of California to provide benefits to drivers. Rather than going through the state way, it's now going to be done through the private or through the relationship, through the business relationship that Uber has with its drivers. So again, this is a great win. In Massachusetts, question one, which was the right to repair law, which if you voted yes on the ballot initiative, it essentially had to ensure that automakers by 2022, the new cars that will be manufactured in 2022 and beyond in the state of Massachusetts, that there's information that will now have to be shared with the larger automotive ecosystem. Your car, as you drive it, produces telematics data. It's the location data. It's the speed. It's the miles per gallon. It's all that information that your car is generating as a result of you driving it. That information can be communicated via Wi-Fi to automakers so that they can collect this information anonymously somewhat. That's what I don't know. It's, that'd be interesting to find out is at what point do the automakers collect that telematics data and can match it to a car? Because the reality is, is they have all that information. They have it all. And through question one, they're trying to inst institute a new third-party body that would oversee the transmission of that data. Because again, it goes now from the vehicle to the automaker. 
Question one wants to create, or it will now create, an independent body that securely handles the transmission of that data to a central server. And through that server, now you can have mechanics and you can have auto parts stores access that information. That will definitely be anonymized. However, from the manufacturer level, they do have all that personal information. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. If you want to hear more about proposition, I'm sorry, question one and the right to repair law, I will put on the episode page a recent recording that I did with Aaron Lowe, who is their senior vice, who is the Auto Care Association, the organization that essentially lobbied for the passage of question one. Aaron Lowe is the senior vice president of policy and government for that organization. I had the chance to talk with him and have him give me the strongest argument on why question one should be passed. And I must say, he was convincing. Have a listen to that episode. I'll put it on the episode page. All right, let's get to the market. The market. So one of the things I was introduced to by my cousin, and I got to tell you, I love him for the fact that he did because my world has been turned upside down. That is, I use Fidelity Active Trader Pro. This is kind of like what I imagine. I don't really know specifically what the Bloomberg terminal is. I know that's been something that has been talked about for years. I presume that's what this is on some variation. I am allowed to see in real time all these transactions occurring and get all these different charts. And I got to tell you, because I'm Asian, because my eyes are not as wide as most other people, I can really hyper-focus in on these numbers. That was a racist joke. Don't worry about that. It's not racist because I'm Asian. So how did the market do this past week? All in all, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the market in general was all up and up and up. And as a matter of fact, from the previous week in which it was tanking very, very bad, this week it has almost recovered, maybe fully recovered from the prior week. On the automotive side, NIO, N-I-O, the Chinese electric vehicle manufacturer, has been skyrocketing. Good Lord, has the stock price been skyrocketing. I've been following it ever since it was right in the $14 range. This week it closed at $41. They have an earnings uh, date of, when is their earnings date? On November 17. So keep an eye out for that stock and hopefully making a little bit of money on or after they report earnings on November 17. I'm always following and watching Carvana, as you may already know. I've done an episode with Mike Cavanaugh previously, who, as I've just learned, Mike Cavanaugh is now at Lithia. Congratulations to Mike for moving on to Lithia Auto Group, a very huge publicly traded automotive company. So we'll hopefully get to catch up with him. But Carvana is one of those stocks. I treat it as a stock now. I don't really even treat it as a company. And maybe let me explain why I treat it as a stock as opposed to a company now. I think they've proven themselves as a company. They've proven themselves as a technology provider that has then reflected in their very 
increased stock price and their performance and the market cap. So all of, all of those factors start to tell me that this is that Carvana is a company that has transcended the just the you know the business services space of them you know providing cars to their customers. They're involved in the capital markets because that stock. Well, they're involved in the capital markets because they had a fundraise, but they're staying. They have a long-term staying power in the capital markets because they're showing that they know now how to properly reward any investor of their stock. So Carvana uh, has been, it, it closed this week at 210. 210, I believe this, this has been dancing in the 190s. And even last week, I think it even got down in the one low 180s, right? It's had a 52-week high of $242. But Again, this week it closed at two hundred and ten dollars. Uh, I they have their next earnings isn't until next year, so you don't have to worry about that. But I'm always watching Carvana, Uber, and Lyft. How did they? Let's see. How did they close out the week? Lyft closed out the week at closing at twenty nine dollars and eighty six cents. That is nowhere near their fifty two week high, and they don't report earnings until. February. Uber. Uber closed at $45, which actually Uber had a very strong week. And probably as a result of Prop 22 passing Lyft did not benefit as much. Yes, indeed. Uber had a nice jump this week. So Uber closed at $45. They are nearly at a 52-week high. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually did achieve their 52 high this week. Before or on election day and into extended hours, they were trading right at $35, $36. The morning after on Wednesday when there was... I, I was following the the ballot counting on prop 22 i think it w- it was already leaning favorable at midnight that it was going to pass but it wasn't definitive so obviously that sent up stock the stock price on wednesday which that stock opened up so it closed on friday at about $36 and then it opened on wednesday at about $40 and then it closed the week at $45 or $44.91 to be exact. So Uber had a, a really good week and they're going to need to have that kind of week, especially with, they didn't sink all 200 million, but they sank, I want to say it was close to a hundred million into that uh, Prop 22 campaign. All right. So that's the markets. So one of the things that I did also the other week, last week, I believe it was, I was preparing for a recording that I did with the toll roads. And for you longtime listeners, I had Samuel Johnson, who was the chief operating officer at the toll roads on a couple years ago. And I had him on again and he, we were joined by the chief financial officer, Amy Potter. And we were talking about the toll roads business. That episode will come out next week. 
In preparation for that episode, though, I did post in the San Clemente Facebook group, and I said, for the longtime San Clemente residents, has your opinion changed in 2020, either favorably or unfavorably, about the toll roads? Let me explain to you something here. San Clemente is this beach town that has, you know, on the west side of the five freeway when you're on the ocean side, it's very, it's it's a beach town. It's very hippie-like. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it, it's one of the nicer beaches, nicer cities in all of California, if not maybe the entire United States. When you start to get to the east side of the five freeway, and even actually right at the five freeway with the new shopping center, the outlets, um, that have been developed. And then when you start to go east, you start to go east, there's way more residential development. And the houses over there, you know, we're talking about easily anywhere from your $600,000 house that can get you a two-bed, two-bath, 1,500 square feet to, you know, again, if you're middle class over there, if you want to get a four-bed, three-bath, you're probably looking, you're at least at a million dollars. So these are not, this is not a cheap audience and crowd and residents of San Clemente. And so I, I say that because obviously the the thing that I'm implying by that is that these are some somewhat smart individuals that understand that as there's more economic activity, then that only bodes well for property prices to increase, that only bodes well for their own pockets, and they can spend money in their own city. So San Clemente, though, has been very opposed to the toll roads to any toll road, not not the company of the toll roads, but any toll road to cut through their city. There's always houses that have a sign that say no to toll roads. And so I asked the question just to kind of get a feel if these San Clemente residents still feel that way, especially given COVID. And most did say that they're still no for the toll roads, although no one ever really explained why they weren't. A lot of nope, still don't want toll roads. That's still a big no for the toll roads. It's always been a no for me. So again, there's there's nothing really there that's uh, any insight that I can gain. Although there was this one gal by the name of Amanda Quinn, who apparently does oppose the toll roads in general, the, the toll roads as a business. And as a matter of fact, she had spoke at one of their public sessions and voiced her concern about the auditing of the toll roads operation. When is their operation going to sunset? You know, all these things that essentially would get rid of the toll roads as, as an operation and, and pass over the operation to the Orange County Department of Transportation. So just, just have it absorbed by another body um, in, our, in, in the county here. Anyhow, I find it fascinating that the longtime residents do not see any benefits of the toll roads going through that city. I think the, it, I, I know, as a matter of fact, the younger generation, the, the ones that are probably right in there, you know, they're starting up a family in San Clemente. They're not as opposed to having, you know, at least the discussion of the toll roads going through the city the longtime residents seem just very much anti the idea 
So they don't even want to, you know, you, you can't even bring up the idea to them because they're just that you can say stubborn about not having any toll roads go through the city. But you can stay tuned for that episode next week where I do talk with Samuel Johnson and Amy Potter from the toll roads. And they tell me a little bit more about what's going on with their operation, especially during COVID. All right, that's the Friday Rundown. Thanks for listening to this episode. Be sure you are subscribed to the show and I will talk to you next week. Hey, listeners, this is Dennis Wisco. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Wisco Weekly. Wisco Weekly is proudly supported by Automotive Mastermind. Automotive Mastermind is the leading predictive analytics and email marketing company in the automotive space. Check them out at automotivemastermind.com. And if you're liking the show, rate and review Wisco Weekly on Apple Podcasts.